Hello everybody, thank you very much for downloading this week's episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. This is just to let you know that the Cinema Catch-Up Club has an official Patreon page. If you'd like to become an official member of the club and get some bonus goodies, including early access material and bonus features only available to our patrons, then please join up at patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast. And now, for this week's episode. Hello everybody, and welcome to the Cinema Catch-Up Club, the podcast for films that you probably should have seen by now. I'm your host, Stephen Platt. Thank you very much for downloading this week's episode, and it's our final episode of 2020! Oh my lord. Indeed. And we are celebrating uh, with a fun film to watch around the New Year time period, a murder mystery based on a board game. No, it's not the Jenga Murder Diaries. It is Clue, based on the popular board game Cluedo. Uh, Joining me as always, we have someone who has seen the film and someone who has not. Our guest who has not seen the film, it's Katrina Johnston. Hey, Stephen. How you doing, Katrina? I'm all right. You know, mm-hmm. ready to put this trash fire dumpster, no, yeah, dumpster fire trash of this of this year behind. Me. All those words, I think, yeah. in any order, are fine. Yeah. Um, so, twenty twenty, you're not going to look back on this one fondly. Well, actually, to be fair, twenty twenty has actually been fairly kind to me. Um, you know, by pure chance, pure luck. Uh, you know, living in Perth and um, me being in a job that was financially supported by the government. So, mm. yeah. Everything's coming up, Katrina. Well, a little bit. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's good. I'm, yeah. I'm glad to hear that. Um, Clue. Yes. You have not seen this film. No. What do you know about it? Uh, well, I, like you, was recently did the play reading of it for several friends of ours because they're considering putting it on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I, I think I have a vague idea of it. Mm-hmm. I, I have a vague idea of the concept of the board game. Mm. And I think like Tim Curry's in it, I believe. Mm, he certainly yeah? is. And so, yeah, I'm, I'm expecting a, a fun romp with, was this early nineties or early? It was mid eighties. Mid eighties. So yeah. yes, with mid eighties cheesiness mm. in, in like all in the mix. Mm. And so, yeah. because my memory is not great, mm-hmm. who did you play in the, the reading? I played Mrs. Peacock. You were Mrs. Peacock. I believe. Uh-huh. Yeah. 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 Um, cool. Because I was Wadsworth. Uh, so. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Wait. I can't remember the ending so, of it. <laughs> so you both read the play, which is basically the script of the movie. Mm-hmm. Yes. But we haven't seen the film. No. <laughs> That's a pretty massive spoiler. But is it? I don't... Well, the good thing is, uh, you know, I have... You know, 2020 being the year that it is, I am one of those people suffering from, like... uh, I hesitate to say the word trauma, but that's the only word I can think of. Like, trauma amnesia. The fact Mm. that this year has been so stressful uh, and there's just been so much going on that um, nothing sticks in your brain. Great. Mm. So, yeah... Yeah. Definitely helping me out in this and situation. And also, this film has uh, a bit of a, a bit of a twist with its ending, um, or or should I say, endings. Ooh, Ooh. So we'll get to that a bit later on, uh, because I have to introduce our guest who has seen the film, who uh, not only has seen the film, but won a game of Cluedo against <laughs> five other regular guests on this podcast, uh, who also wanted to review the film. Uh, he fought. He won. He is Mr. Robert Woods. Hello. How you doing, Robert? Uh, about a seven. Excellent. Uh, twenty twenty. Um, good, bad, middling. Um, I yeah. I, I should say it's been a, a standout, stellar year for me. I guess <laughs> just because COVID gave me the opportunity to finished my first feature film Mm -hmm. which has subsequently gone and and just won best feature at the wa screen awards it has yeah so yes uh folks listening at home who remember an ideal host from episode 175 it is an award-winning film so go and see it where you can yeah yes um so yeah okay so i've asked a lot of people about 2020 and most people on this show at least have gone Mm. actually it's been okay so yeah yeah, i think we all have the advantage of living in perth western australia and we have been very protected um i i did 
a bunch of festivals mm. overseas online yeah. um, with my film. And I did a lot of events uh, with other directors and mm. filmmakers talking to them and, um, and getting to know each other. And they are all in lockdown and they are all miserable and going out of their minds. And I felt so guilty mm. being like, oh, I'm just going to you know go to work and tonight I'm going to the movies to see this. And mm. like, and yeah, yeah. yeah. So yeah. we're, we're pretty we're lucky. Pretty yeah. lucky here. Yeah. And uh, fingers crossed that it keeps going that way. Um, clue. Clue. You've seen it. Mm. I have. In a vague, non-spoilery sort of way, what can people like myself and Katrina, who've not seen it, although we've read the script, uh, <laughs> or people who even haven't read the script, people who have just played the board game, what can they expect? Um, I, I, I like to lower expectations. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, especially, cool? especially for films like this that get hyped up by mm. people that absolutely adore it. Mm. Um, and I, I am one of those people. Um, but I will say that I saw it when I was five years old and have watched it, you know, weekly since then. So, oh, wow. um, so yeah, I, I will think about it very differently to someone who's seeing it for the first time. Now, mm. I think you should prepare yourself for, um, very, very silly farce, mm. um, s- some pretty immature uh, humor. There's, there's like a lot of pratfalls. There's a yeah. lot of like slapstick, um, and if you can get into that and, and laugh along with it, I think you'll have a good time. Mm. Um, yeah. All right. Well, Excellent. with all that being said, shall we watch Clue? Yes. Give it a go. I need to find out who murdered the person and who also is murdered. Yeah. I'm, I'm doing real good with the words <laughs> yeah. today. That's <laughs> yeah, okay. Uh, for those of you at home, pop in those DVDs and prepare to make your accusations or suggestions as we watch <laughs> Clue. Welcome back, everybody. We have just finished watching Clue. And by we, I, of course, mean Robert Woods and Katrina Johnston. Hello. Katrina, that was your first time watching Clue. What did you think? I'm so confused. (laughs) (laughs) I think I need to sit and read through the script again, Mm. like whilst I watch so I can go... Okay. Mm. Okay, that's what they're talking about. Yeah, because as you said before, you you you've read the play, yeah. but the play only has one ending, mm. as is and traditional. I, and on top of that, I don't remember that ending because it was a good couple of months ago mm. that we that we read it. It, it was um, the ending that's in the play is mm. the third ending. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. yeah, it's that's the the canonical i guess ending they yeah. even say in this in this dvd but here's the real yeah, ending what really yeah. happened um and i think that's the thing that a lot of people sort of know about clue is that they shot m- these multiple different endings and when it was released in cinemas you only got one of them ah. and it was random in each oh, cinema cool. it was yeah. different so i believe it was partly a ploy to try and get people to go see the same film three times or more yes. um but yeah it's I think it's really interesting, obviously, in the home DVD version that we're watching, Mm. they're all just back to back to back, which I didn't know if that's what we were going to get. You can choose to have it choose Mm. a random one. Oh, cool. Mm. So you can watch it and you don't know what it's going to be. Yeah, Yeah, because I found the three endings. Maybe it's just because I'm really tired this week. (laughs) I found the the three endings back to back quite stressful. I'm like, (laughs) just just give me one. Just... (laughs) Let's leave it there. Yeah. See, you just need to know who done it. Yeah. See, I found it like really enthralling. Yeah. Like I, I knew there were multiple endings. I didn't know. I knew one of the endings because we mm. read it in the play version, but I didn't know what the other endings were. So when like it was the first ending is, is Miss Scarlet, I was like, oh, cool. Um, and, and like the reasoning for that, the reasoning for the re- yeah. when it was Miss Peacock. Um, and then when it was the third one, I was like, oh, yeah, multiple killers. Because I hadn't remembered at that point that that's when they revealed that Wadsworth was actually Mr. Body yeah. in that version. Yeah. Um, Robert, I think that that final sort of 10, 15 minutes, when it's all together like this, really elevates this film. Yeah, it, it's the most energetic 
wild part of of the movie it, things really pick up once Wadsworth starts explaining the music it, kicks in and then it, it, it starts kinda... becoming total door gags <laughs> fast yes mm. it kind of makes me think of a seven-year-old who's really excitable telling a story you know how when <laughs> mm. little kids they don't just tell you the story they don't like this happened and this happened they acted out mm. or at least i know i did when i was yeah. a kid and they get really really into it i was literally thinking during this film like i would really this would also work very well if this was completely acted by 10 year olds um <laughs> and look watching it when you are 10 years old oh, is yes. joyous i imagine it's yeah. very exciting um the, i mean the performances are superb like like it, it, in terms what of a cast yeah what an ensemble cast so like yeah you let, cannot fault that let's let's i mean we have to start with tim curry because he is yes. kind of the the center point of the whole yeah it's the narrator film. almost yeah. yeah um he's just wonderful uh mm. and i think it's partly just how not understated, but just how, I guess, reserved he is in the first yeah. half, even when things are going wrong. Yeah. Um, he's really leaning to that very traditional butler stereotype of like, yes, sir, we'll do this, sir. Well, that's just kind of him mm. in pretty much every role I've seen him in. He does a good villain and he does a good ambiguous, mm. like morally ambiguous character. Mm. I think it's something about his, like, it's almost like you got, in, within him, you almost have, you know, the eyes of Steve Buscemi and um, not quite as bad. Uh, and the and the voice and the mm. carriage of, you know, Ian McKellen or something like yeah. that. Yeah, I think it's the slight, it's the slight, his voice sounds like it curls up. Yeah, it's like very, it's, it's, it's very, like it's got, it's, it's clipped. It's, and, yeah. If, if you're going to do the butler did it, you mm. want someone charming in the role mm. yeah. to to throw the audience off and he has buckets of that so yeah, yeah. he's he's superb um i love madeline khan i i think oh I th- my god i think she's pretty madeline much khan all- is a goddess yeah she's pretty much always for me like the best thing in a film that she's in i think and like for example in blazing saddles she has a lot of competition <laughs> yeah but i think she's the best thing in blazing saddles um it, and i i kind of feel in this it, it's really hard when you've got an ensemble piece like this for them each individual to stand out. Mm. I think this film does a really good job of where most characters actually do get their moments to stand out and they're funny for different reasons. But Madeline Kahn is just really understated for a lot mm. of the film and really sort of comes into it in the second half. She has she has probably the most famous line, mm. in the, the most famous mm. quoted line from, from this film. The, mm. My husband was an illusionist. That bit, or... <laughs> no, the uh, the flames on the side of my face <laughs> improv line that she came up with, which yeah. they had to cut away from because you can see people starting to crack up in the background. <laughs> yeah, it that that line. Yes. I think is probably the funniest thing in the film. I did quite enjoy that because yeah. that was just it's like so bizarre and it's so yes. Madeline Kahn. Yeah, it's and it's just completely unhinged. improvised as well. It's, it's... <laughs> flames. On the side of his face. <laughs> that that so line good. made me think. Oh, this also would be really good to be remake with like, um, like Andy Samberg and that kind of just the cast you know, of Brooklyn Nine Nine. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, can you imagine like Andy Samberg? Okay, a clue episode. Yes, <laughs> Andy Samberg is so Jake Peralta plays. Who would he play? I feel like he would play Wadsworth. Mm. Oh, okay. This is a fun. I'd probably cast him as Mr. Green. Yeah, because yeah, yeah. he'd have to be the secret agent at the end. I think mm. that I think that Wadsworth may it would have, probably have to be the captain. Yes, Captain Holt. Yeah. yeah, I think it yeah. would have to be. He's like, well, as you can see, he's been murdered. <laughs> like that and kind of thing. Rosa would be <laughs> doing fan casting. We're, we're doing this now. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. So okay, um, <laughs> Rosa could be Mrs. White. I, yeah, yeah, mm. that's probably like the, the reserved, best. quiet, yeah, yeah. no nonsense. Um, Terry would have to be mustard. No, I feel like Terry would be. They do gender flip. Terry is Mrs. Peacock. <laughs> oh yes, yes, <laughs> mm. Mm. yes. No, Colonel Mustard is Boyle. You reckon? I think so. I th- okay. No, I could see yeah. that. I also uh, saw him as a bit of a plum. Yeah, me too. Yeah, yeah. You know, particularly with the weird sexual stuff. That <laughs> that like plum is handsy, and I think yeah. like. Of of all the bits from this film that have aged, I think the 
oh, Professor Plum, he, he likes touching them ladies, yeah. was the bit that was like, okay, this came out in 1985. Yeah. <laughs> um, and just all the very obvious staring down Yvette's dress. Yeah. I do want to talk about this. Um, <laughs> not not because I'm like, ooh, lady, titillating, um, literally. But uh, in, in the fact that, so you've got Yvette, who is this very sort of curvy and mm. um, dressed... Even, provocatively. even yeah. for a maid, it is clearly like done provocatively. You know, yeah. her, her her bosom is very much on display. And that fake French accent. Mm. Yes. What are you talking about? It was so real. <laughs> like, it but was, she drops it when she, she does. So, uh, yeah. so it's, just before she dies. Just yeah. before she dies. So it's clearly... But it feeds into that comedy as well, yeah. which is wonderful. But I really thought it was interesting that in the that opening scene where they're having dinner, and she's leaning across to drop the plates and because she's leaning obviously her boobs are moving into like people's faces and the way people reacted to the presence of her breasts was like a really revealing character moment for Mm. those characters um you know like comparing the way like scarlet looked at her um which was a bit like askance almost as compared to someone like Plum, who just like stared for way too long, <laughs> and was almost like trying to lean in and have, a, have like, a little. You're gonna fall in there. Yeah, have, have a little lie on them. I thought that was really interesting and kind of like it, it, in an '80s film like this. Sometimes you see things where it's like they're showing this woman's boobs because this woman has big boobs. Yeah. But I felt that they did a really clever thing in using that, but using it to expose yeah. what the characters were thinking. I. Mm. And, yeah, I yeah. feel like there is there is nothing in this film um, that isn't there deliberately. Mm. Uh, and yeah, like Rob, you were saying so many times, like quite a few times, you're like, oh, I've never noticed that. I've, um, I've seen this this film, I don't know how many times, yeah. but it's one of those films I have that uh, every single time I rewatch mm. it, I pick up another gag. It's mm. that stuffed yeah. with with little things, references and things and that come back. Weirdly in a way, although as, as cool as that is, I found it very like I was getting smacked in the face with it. Um, a little <laughs> bit. A lot to take in on a yeah, first viewing. Yeah, mm. there was a lot to take in. Mm. And it's um and it kind of I don't know, something about it made it go, look, we are doing this because we're wanting to be very obvious and every you need to pay attention to every little thing. Um, and I feel like nowadays it probably would be a little bit more more subtle. Like mm. you'd figure out how much stuff is in, like how stuffed it is by either yes going and rewatching it or, you know, nowadays you'd go on like Reddit or something mm. and be like, oh, I'd never noticed that. Well, I think that one it. of the reasons why it is a cult film is yeah. is because hopefully on the first viewing, it's like silly and mm. funny enough that you'll laugh along. But if you do see it again, you'll go, hang yeah. on. Ah, I'm watching out for this because I remember that they were talking about this at the end and mm. then you watch for it and go, ah, yeah. that person's yeah. missing. For me, it just felt too, it like, yeah, it felt overwhelming <laughs> a bit. Um, I yeah. do have to say um, the thing I wasn't expecting because obviously knowing like okay Christopher Lloyd's in this I sort of know what to expect from him mm. um, I didn't he's really he's so straight in he this. is very straight and very yeah. young as well yeah. which is um, you know nice um, I was not really familiar with Martin Mull who plays Colonel Mustard mm. God he's good mm. like he, he's I think I don't know what it is but everyone imagines Colonel Mustard to be a bit blustery and a bit of a <laughs> buffoon yeah yeah but he, he nailed that. Yeah, yeah he's good. He was so just kind of like helpless, but at the same time, yeah. like unaware of how out of his depth he was. They all hit their character notes very well and kept kept them all walking on a very um, fine line. Mm-hmm. And Because it, yeah. it's so, uh, it's such broad comedy yeah. and they're, they're playing very broad mm. characters. Yeah. Mm. And this this line of, of like the, the farce of it um, compared to like the seriousness of a murder mystery. Mm. Uh, it, well, we were talking before about satire, and mm. is is it satirical or is it like it's it's walking this line where it's um I think it's I think it's just yeah. ha- fun. I don't know. I don't. I don't know if I would consider it satire poten- potentially because I don't know enough about 
the idea of satire. Like if someone presents something to me and says, this is satirical, I'm like, oh yeah, I can kind of see that. But I, yeah, I would, I, I think it suits uh, the definition of farce a lot more easily. Than well, it's, it's written yeah. by a, a, a British guy that write, that created, um, yes, Prime Minister. Mm. Which mm. I remember being on ABC yeah. when I got mm. home after school, yeah, just before dinner time, being a very, a very silly kind of farce, yeah, yeah. political and, farce. And it was that kind of era of stuff of mm. um, of like you know Mash and mm. yeah, look who's what is it? What was the one that was set in department store? Oh um, no uh. Are you being served? Yeah, 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 and all those sorts of. But the thing, TV that, the thing that I think is quite interesting about mm. um, the, the the fact that it was written by someone who wrote Yes Minister and Yes Prime Minister is in those wonderful little sections where there's confusion, usually between Mustard and Wadsworth, about mm. the answer that Wadsworth has given and about the double <laughs> meanings in words. Yeah, um, that that's very Yes Minister. That yeah. that yes. that's right in there, like the the confusion between. Um, the, the minister and the um, the secretary and mm. that wonderful dynamic they had about like well we're going to do this well we're going to do this but it means that like that kind of thing yeah. was really um, wonderfully used I didn't realise it was the same uh, writer I guess yeah. Um, yeah. but it makes so much sense now that you've said that <laughs> yeah. and then John Landis who um, who made horror comedies mm. Um, like what? I I recognise the name, but I don't know what from. I believe he did an American Werewolf in London. I believe okay. he did Gremlins. Stop me if I'm wrong here. <laughs> uh, what I can tell you is John Landis, thanks to the magic of the internet, uh, is well known for films such as An American Werewolf in London and The yeah. Blues Brothers. Yep. Ah. And yeah. Animal House, Coming to America, mm. Trading Places, Michael Jackson's Thriller. Funnily enough. Oh. Um, but I, uh, like the three Joe, amigos. Did Joe Dante do Gremlins? Joe Dante did okay. Gremlins. I always, I always mix up Joe Dante <laughs> and John Landis, so I apologise, everyone. Don't at me. Um, <laughs> but, but they, they, that, that American, mm. the very frat housey, broad slapstick yeah. kind of humour um, yeah. that is in there as well. Yeah. Um, I mean, it opens with the world's longest. Poo dog joke. poo joke that just <laughs> keeps going <laughs> way yeah. too long but it was i think that sets the tone beautifully of mm. they're all falling into these same traps yeah. like they are very yeah. i guess it shows that they're fallible because none of them to, to properly suspect wadsworth they all suspect themselves which i think is also suggestive of the, of the fact they're all walking in with a guilty conscience yeah. i think mm. it just layers that so subtly mm. with the fact that everyone checks their own shoes like what have i done wrong because yeah. they're coming there with a big dark secret <laughs> um yeah it's it's really really lovely how how it is all pieced together it, um, well the, on that note it's incredibly complicated from a writing perspective mm. yeah. to be given the assignment which I believe the director was to write not only a murder mystery, but uh, based on a board game which yeah. doesn't have characters really. They mm. had to they had to create them, um, and no one had ever done a movie based on a board game before. Or had they though, going against it? I feel like it. in a way it's not really based on the board game. Like it is because it's got Miss mm. Peacock and all that. It to me it more feels like Murder on the Orient Express. Sure. And and that's why you want a British person, mm. <laughs> I guess, uh, doing yeah. that kind of drawing like, room like drama. It, it's hitting, with the obvious exception of the comedy, it's hitting very much. But many the, of the, the same trickiest things. thing about it is that it has to work as a complex murder mystery yeah. with multiple endings, yeah. and the and the the events of the film have to make sense for each of them. Yeah, mm. and that is just oh yeah ridiculously that's... complicated to figure out yeah yeah, yeah so and the interrelations between those characters i think it's interesting that i, I think what cluedo provides for for them is mm. more like an atmosphere like a yeah, or, I, I, yeah. I think a it's, setting yeah, yeah it's definitely a starting point um mm. and it's you know it's you know you're going to have these rooms you yeah. know you're going to have these weapons and you know you're going to have this many characters yeah 
make something work out of that yeah. and, and so it's, make it, it's set, yeah. it's almost like it's setting you limitations mm. from which to um, build on and I yeah. find at least I personally when I'm given limitations it makes it a lot easier mm. because you don't he the writer wouldn't have had to go okay well what what weapons are they what what would they have I, I don't know I'm gonna never write this ever again um, mm. I really <laughs> like the fact that all the weapons were used though like that, that like and they were oh, all yeah, used were. really well like the revolver was obviously used quite a lot because it has multiple functions but yeah. like the candlestick when it particularly when it fell on tim curry's head was great yeah. um yeah. But, but like the fact the candlestick was used for one of mr body's murders the knife mm. obviously ended up in the back yvette got strangled by the the noose the, yeah um the the wrench obviously was key for um the the guy on the phone the, the lead pipe got yeah. used on the cop like like it all got used all the rooms got used mm. i really love the fact that the rooms that connect in the house are the ones that connect in the board game yeah they, oh, they're the same they? yeah the secret, oh, pass- cool. the secret yeah. passages connect where they're meant to oh, and even yeah. like as we started watching it robin you pointed out the way that the tiles in the hall are set out like a cluedo board yeah oh. they're, yeah. They're, they're the same yeah but it looks like a Cluedo board with yeah. the characters moving in each yeah. space, mm. going to each room. It's yeah. Just it w- fun production design. Yeah, it was really... It, it's just a really tight product. Like, yeah. the, the whole is. thing has just been, like, engineered to within an inch of what they can do with it. And the, the, the thing that threw me as a kid uh, watching it was uh, I was always kind of slightly disappointed that mm. some of the characters weren't the colour of their character. I was like, oh, that's a bit of yeah. disappointment. Yeah. However, yeah. go ahead. The cars that they all drive oh. are mm. the exact right colour yeah. for oh, cool. them. And you see them getting out of the cars with like, yeah, oh. Yeah, because that's right, because Scarlet's red. Yeah. What, mm. uh, and her car breaks down. Yeah, yeah. Peacock at the blue. end, you see is blue. Yeah, yeah. I, I love that Mrs. White, even though she has white lining inside her thing, is in black because of yeah. her widower She's status. A black widow. <laughs> that really does feel like somebody went, wouldn't it be funny if Mrs. White was in all black? Why yeah. should she be in black? She's a widow. <gasps> Write that down. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, and it's just, it is just really, really nicely done. I really mm. like the fact that Green... Um, seemed to be very inexperienced at things. Like they, they did lean into that a little bit, where you know he was like constantly fumbling and like knocking the table over. He's basically me. Mm. I feel, I feel like I'm, with the exception of I'm, I'm not an FBI agent, mm. uh, and I'm not married. Um, <laughs> yeah, I was like, yeah, I'd be totally falling over all this, all mm. this stuff. And so, given that we've been presented three endings, mm. do we have a? favorite ending do we have an ending that makes us go i really like this is the one i like i like mrs peacock being the murderer Mm. just because it's like it's the old lady Mm. and (laughs) how she transforms in that sequence and you're like oh it's really fun yeah and i think it's really nice that um particularly in that scene we just get to see Eileen Brenner do just, do do another form of character because she's mm, been yeah. this same like oh help me thing the whole way through, yeah. and then you get to see like oh yeah she can act yeah. like it's it's really great yeah hilarious. Mm. Yeah, uh, Robert, did you have a, an ending you you prefer? Oh, um, or does it change depending on the watch? Um, I mean I. I like the the everyone did it ending just because of the, the Madeline Kahn line. Um, <laughs> can't go past that, and I I can't help but feel that in the multiple ending version for home video, mm. um, it's edited down um, because they presume you've seen the first two endings, and so they delete a lot of the repeated information. Yeah. Mm. Um, and that's what I was thinking about when I was watching it this time um, with. Mrs. Peacock's ending and then yeah. with the multiple endings it's like uh, there's information that is repeated but there's I'm sure there's in, in if you actually saw it in the theatre mm. it would be slightly be a longer different. and mm. it would be edited differently I actually mm. think I like the first ending the best because <laughs> you get the chandelier falling again and yeah. it ends on a the freeze one frame two plus two plus yeah. one yeah, gag is, is classic it is and uh, you know just the, the the confrontation that that sort of battle of wits between um, Scarlet and Wadsworth is, it's actually kind of tense yeah like which is um, not necessarily something you expect from a comedy but I think this comedy uses tension really well it like does, yeah. it, I, 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 there's not a lot of times where I'm like standing up trying to walk behind the couch like oh my god what's gonna happen to these schmucks like but, yeah. but I was like 
are there five bullets or are there six? You know, you know, are you feeling lucky, punk, basically, yeah. is what that whole scene is. But it's so sort of delightful, um, mm. the way they play with that tension um, and the way that these characters have sort of gotten to know each other but don't know each other at all. There's so mm. much potential for what they could do. Yeah. Especially when they, they split up into pairs and yeah. they do not trust their partner. Yeah, yeah. Um, and leading to a lot of lovely both standing in the stairwell and then great physical comedy acting physical as they comedy. both move at the same time. I remember uh, as, a, as a five-year-old watching it for the first time being pretty uh, nervous when they split up and, mm. and looking in the corners of frames going legitimately thinking of course there's another person in the house they're looking yeah. for them so and like maybe they're hiding in the grandfather clock or maybe they're in that shadow there or when um leslie ann warren is, is walking by herself in the ballroom and the camera yeah, purposefully and lingers and she walks going on the off, curtains off the frame and I'm yeah like, that that was tense um was that yeah, legitimately yeah, tense? i kind of forgot that yeah i was definitely feeling that during those sequences and then I've kind of forgotten that when because it's so silly at the end. Yeah, it's almost like the the three endings were obliterated that part of my memory, um, <laughs> and it was it was yeah it was genuinely very very tense the entire time. They the their control of tension was was amazing. Um, although I will say I I feel like and I'm not sure if maybe it's a sign of its times or if it's a sign of this particular piece the very strange pacing kind of put me off a bit um and yeah i'm not sure how and it, and it was pacing not just within how it was edited but i felt like how just the actors were approaching the scenes as well mm. it just felt a bit like everything was rushing to, at me at once like there are so many lines mm. and good lines but just they're coming so quickly that you, I I think I missed half of it. Yeah, I, I think that comes with the fact that it is fast though. Yes, and like it is. the fact it's happening quick. Maybe it's because I know it off by heart, line for line. <laughs> that I'm watching yeah. it this time, going, oh, it's so, mm. it's so slow in the start. There's so many pauses. There's so mm. many comic comedic moments that are just done with looks yeah. and and non nonverbal timing and editing mm. jokes that are in there. Um, that yeah. <laughs> Uh, yeah, that I, I, I was picking up on this time. Yeah, mm. and yeah, it, maybe... Yeah, I'd be interested to see how I felt about the whole piece if I mm. if I went and watched it again. I also, just before we get onto the trivia, I yeah. just want to give a quick shout-out to what I think may be the funniest moment in a film that I've been fortunate enough to watch doing this podcast this yeah. year, which is Madeline Kahn making out with Mr. Body's body on the couch... <laughs> And her moving the uh, yeah, his and then cutting to mustard pretending to make out with <laughs> the, cook. the cook while Mrs. Peacock is playing her arms, and he opens her eyes, and it's just like it was honestly, I think the funniest thing I've seen in 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 this year. It's a glorious farcical moment. Yeah, it's that, like it's classic. See, it's moments like that that I'm theater. like, I'd really like to see this played by ten year olds. <laughs> yeah, because I feel like that that kind of this is how we're going to solve our issue. Yeah. It's such a 10 year old, like mm. thought process. Yeah. I, it's just, God, it was so funny though. Yeah. Like, I, I, I don't know. I, it's that wonderful balance of this is macabre and, and disgusting. Pure absurdity. Like, but it's yeah. completely absurd yeah. and it's funny. It's great. Yeah. It's yeah. very John Landis that. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's, beautifully done and then yeah afterwards the cop being like it's not illegal it's not illegal yeah <laughs> yeah no yeah, this is america you know it's allowed you can get away with a lot more than i thought like that kind yeah. of thing it was just so good yeah. would you guys like some trivia about clue yes lay it on me okay all of this trivia is sourced from imdb so if it's not true don't blame me um the three endings were shot and a different one was shown at each theatre, picked at random. Uh, as we saw, all three endings are included on the home video release. Um, you also, on these DVDs, get an option to play a random ending, ending A, B or C. Um, and I, I would be kind of curious to do that. There was also a fourth ending, which oh. was um, planned and shot, but not released, as far as we're aware. Um that ending had Wadsworth committing all the murders out of a twisted need for perfection in his life. He reveals that he poisoned everyone with a slow-acting toxin in their drinks. Mm. It ended with Wadsworth being killed by dogs, 
um, as he attempted to escape by car from the house. The rather grim nature of the ending is probably why it was never released. Yeah. It was never shown mm-hmm. because the filmmakers thought the ending would have been too obvious. It only survives in the novelization and the storybook, which features a single photo from that ending, which is the chief punching Wadsworth in the stomach. Mm. The footage is yeah. out there, guys. We've got to find it. Yeah. I, I wonder if... And maybe you know this through your research, Stephen. Mm-hmm. Um, was it advertised that there was multiple endings? Or did you have to go and talk to your friend, you know, who you'd gone to two different cinemas and be like, oh, how great was Clue? And um, that ending was amazing. And then you realise that you've seen two different endings. It was advertised that oh, okay. there were multiple endings. And people did not like that. This film flopped mm. when it was released. Mm. Because notorious, pe- yeah, people thought the people making the film thought this is great. It's going to make people go see it three times. And what the actual thing was, what they want me to go see it more than once? I'm not seeing it at all. And yeah, the film flopped and became a sort of cult success yeah. in, in the following years through, I guess, home video release. Yeah, Tim Curry seems to have a bit of a record with that. <laughs> yeah, well, everything he does is eventually good. Yeah, okay, eventually yeah. it is good. <laughs> Um, According to an interview with writer and director Jonathan Lynn, after a screening on the 25th anniversary of the movie's released, uh, he revealed who was originally cast as Miss Scarlet. It was Carrie Fisher. Oh, she would have been amazing. But she would have been hard to work with at that that age. Oh, how old was she? Unfortunately, because this was 1985... Uh, she went into rehab for drug addiction four days before filming started. Yeah. Fisher called Lynn and they agreed to a work furlough, which received approval from her clinicians and from the producers, but was vetoed by the production's insurance company. Mm. So Lynn had to recast her, and Leslie Ann Warren was cast as a last minute replacement. Now, Leslie Ann Warren is very good in this, yeah. mm. um, and I'm, I'm glad that we got to see her version. But God, I want to see Carrie Fisher's version. Oh, that would have been. Amazing. Mm. I, because I, I, I don't think, and to be fair, I don't know much about Carrie Fisher's career, but I know like from watching her for the last, uh, seeing videos from her from the last, you know, 10, 15 years of her life, mm. she was so funny. Oh, yeah. And just such an amazing wit. And she was such a good comedic actor. And I don't think the mainstream audiences really got to see that out of her because everyone well at least for me everyone just goes yeah she's She's princess leia yeah she's either that or i guess um when harry met sally Mm. (laughs) yeah i haven't seen she's very good in that yeah but like yeah she she did do she did a couple of comedies yeah she um, did and and that and she's great but I always, yeah, I only ever saw her in comedies in supporting roles. Like yeah. uh, her as the teacher in, oh no, the therapist in, oh, what's it called? Austin Powers. <laughs> and yeah, and those sort of little bit roles. Mm. I never, I really would like to have seen her in something like this. Or mm. if there is something like this, I feel like Rob, you would know. Um, where she gets like a meaty comedy role. Uh, she... The, the one that she made for that, she gave to someone else. Mm. She gave to Meryl Streep, I think. What film is that? The Postcards from the Edge. Oh, okay. Yeah. I did not the, the autobiography that she wrote. Um, yes, I do need to read that. Mm. Yeah. Um, Jennifer, Jason Lee, Demi Moore and Madonna were all considered for the role of the maid Yvette. <laughs> um, which would have been interesting. Um, in a 2013 BuzzFeed retrospective, writer and director Jonathan Lynn admitted that although he was impressed by Kemp's comedic acting, uh, which was part of the reason that she got the role, it was ultimately her well-endowed figure that convinced him. As he yeah. said in the interview, quote, there was no avoiding it, end quote. I've been cast for my boobs. Have you? Yep. What show, may I ask? Uh, uh, Anti-Shakespearean Cocktail Hour. Really? Yes. I got, I got cast in mm. that. Uh, by a friend of ours mm-hmm. and who I believe I think he listens to this podcast, mm-hmm. uh, Tim Brain. Mm-hmm. Uh, I got. I think I was always going to be in the show. I th- I think, mm. um, but they weren't sure what role I was going to be in. And um, what role did you end up with? I ended up being the boy because this is a show that's written by David, a friend of ours, David Moody. Mm-hmm. And the there's a line in that so it's like a, a boy sort of very a la waiting for Godot who keeps re-entering saying Mr. Shakespeare will be here eventually mm. um, and 
on my first exit, one of the other characters goes, is it just me or does that boy have enormous breasts? Right. Yeah. <laughs> I, I remember the show and I now remember that line because yeah. uh, it's been a while. Um, excellent. Robert, have you ever been uh, cast in anything because of your physical features? Uh, yes, actually. Oh, okay. I was cast as Greg in A Chorus Line because they said, oh, you look like you could pass for Jewish. <laughs> That's interesting. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. I, I, it, does that count? I yeah, I, I think it I counts. had a beard at the time. Yeah. yeah. There, and they were like, yeah, yeah. You, you could pass for Jewish. Look, I've appeared in a couple of adverts around the Perth metropolitan yes. region lately uh, as a someone who wins the lottery uh, <laughs> and someone who is a tradie uh, holding a road sign. But I have a feeling mm-hmm. that I was cast because I look friendly. <laughs> and that advert yes. is all about yes, you thank definitely you for waiting do. while the road signs are being done. <laughs> yes. Um, but yeah, so you're welcome. Uh, officially building for tomorrow um <laughs> did you get paid for this no uh, i don't think so i think this is i think this is uh, gratis i uh, think you need to n- negotiate <laughs> yeah well well if, if the rollover comes up i'll send them this tape and we'll see um in an interview conducted in 2009 uh jonathan lynn director stated that he Uh, had cast this movie himself he said that while actors and actresses were recommended to him by the casting department he got to make the final decisions Uh, his original original choice for wadsworth was leonard rossiter uh, most famous for playing rigby in rising damp Uh, but he passed away the year before this film came out Uh, he passed away just before pre-production the next suggestion for wadsworth was rowan atkinson Oh, yeah, I could see that. At this time, uh, he was well-known, obviously, for being in Not the Nine O'Clock News and a couple of seasons of Blackadder, but the studio felt he was too unknown to American audiences to say. Mm. Yeah. He wouldn't have been known mm. by anyone. Uh, obviously, but Tim Curry was? Or well, he'd done like, Rocky Horror by this point, oh, okay. um, as well as a few other things, but Rocky Horror was, like, his mm. most notable thing. Yeah. Um, Obviously, Brian Atkinson has gone on to do pretty fine without uh, being in this film. Mm. Uh, Jonathan Lynn uh, knew Tim Curry from when they were both teenagers and ended up getting him to be in the film. Aww. Mm. Uh, Lee Ving, who plays Mr. Body, is the frontman of a punk band, Fear, and was chosen because of his name. Mr. Body will be leaving soon. Oh, my God. Amazing, yes. <laughs> and of so course, ridiculous. of course, you love that, Stephen. <laughs> well, you know, pun. it's funny, and I like funny. <laughs> it's a pun. Um, Tom Stoppard was initially approached to write the screenplay for this film. Uh, he worked for a year before giving up and returning all the money that he'd already been paid. And he was like, "I couldn't make it confusing enough." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if Tom Stoppard can't make it confusing enough. You are in trouble. <laughs> uh, the executive producer and story writer John Landis then approached Stephen Sondheim and Anthony Perkins. Oh, that's yeah. right. But both of them asked for far too much money. <laughs> yeah. Imagine this is a... Because mm. Stephen Sondheim is, is very into murder mysteries. Is he? Yeah. Oh, okay. I don't... I Like, I know the man... I know of the man, but I don't know that much about him. So, mm. I did not know that. Yeah. Uh, and an alternate casting potential for Wadsworth was mm. John Cleese. Oh, yeah, that's very um, Faulty Towers. Mm. But, like, 1985, so he's done both seasons of Faulty Towers, I think, by this point. Yeah. And it's not too far away from A Fish Called Wanda. So, like, it's that sort of almost in his 50s, John Cleese. Yeah. I think he he could have been very good. I think he would have been a much stiffer butler. Like, he would have been a real prick, I think, for... I don't think he would have been as endearing. No, I think Mm. Tim Curry's absolutely the right choice. I don't know that John Cleese would have been as wild and childlike in his recreation. It would have been just more, right! Yeah. (laughs) And then he killed her over here! Like, it would have been that. Yeah. It could have worked, but I'm really glad that we got Tim Curry. um, Because I think... Yeah, Tim Curry gives, particularly at that end, gives a very... A frenzy. And it's it's very, like, (sighs) just trying to keep up. It's almost like a tennis match. Like watching your head whack, like flicking from side to side, um, yeah. It, and I, I, yeah, I do enjoy that. Mm. So that's the trivia. Mm. All that remains is for us to score the film. <gasps> Katrina, you get to go first because it was your first time watching Clue. What would you give it out of ten? Um, this is a bit of a tricky one because I did like it, but I 
don't think I was massively enamored with it because as mm. much as yes I think I would find things again from a second watch I kind of don't want to do a second watch mm. um so yeah like I'd like parts of it but I'm not sure if I like the whole of it enough so with that in mind uh I'd give it six and a half Maybe six and a half alternative endings. <laughs> Excellent. Uh, what about yourself, Rob? What score would you give it out of ten? Um, I I really cannot separate nostalgia mm. from f- like I can't view this objectively. Mm. Um, it's been a part of so many sleepovers growing up. It's been yeah. so integral to my friendships with so many people. Mm. And it's probably my favorite comedy comedy film. Mm. Um, so I would have to give it nine flames on the side of my face <laughs> out of ten. Just flames, flames, <laughs> flames. Yeah, look. Um, Which I feel like is actually very appropriate for this year. Yep. Yep. <laughs> Just a smidge. Um, I... I don't have that same nostalgia. I understand mm. the difficulty of like removing that nostalgia. And I'm sure had I seen this at a younger age, I'd be here going, ah, 10 out of 10. Boop, boop, boop. Um, I'm not going to do that because I don't think it's a 10 out of 10 film. I think some bits of it have have aged a bit, but God, it's fun. Mm. It's And like, that's the really important thing with the comedy. Um, it's fun. It's a bit silly. I think it's one that I, I probably will watch again in a couple yeah. of months. And I'm really looking forward to potentially appreciating it more. I have a feeling it's one of those that's got a lot of legs. It's like a fine wine. Yes. Um, Oh, so I'd probably give it seven and a half. Check my shoes. (laughs) Out of ten. Because it is wonderfully dumb. Uh, So that is all for this week's episode. Hey, Robert. And Katrina, thank you so much for joining me on this episode of the Cinema Catch-Up Club. Thanks for having Thanks, us. Thanks, Stephen. And for those of you listening at home, thank you for listening in. It's 2020 done. That's right, it's done. <laughs> D-O-N-E. That's how you spell it, done. Uh, hey, but 2021's coming and we've got a whole year load of films to look at. So if you Many want... of them going straight to streaming. <laughs> Indeed. Uh, And indeed, a lot of ours are streaming because they're older films. Uh, But if you want to watch them with us, uh, then join our Facebook page to find out what films uh, we are reviewing and uh, other little bits, tidbits and information here and there. Photographs, sometimes of pets, sometimes of people. There's all sorts going on there. Just search for the Cinema Catch-Up Club on Facebook. You can also subscribe to get fresh episodes each and every week, including the odd bonus episode here and there, uh, by looking for us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Spotify, yada, 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 all of those. And, of course, there is our wonderful Patreon, where you can uh, pay us money to review certain films, if you would like. Uh, There are other bonuses there as well, for as little as a dollar a month. Um, You can blackmail us into into (laughs) making us do certain films and do your bidding. Uh, Is this how I get you to watch Sailor? This is exactly how you get me to watch that. Uh, So if you want to do that, Robert, go to patreon.com. I would never do that. (laughs) go to well even if you aren't going to go to patreon.com forward slash ccuc podcast and join up there but that's all for this week so until next time communism is a red herring (laughs) (laughs) oh here Stephen, i found this candlestick for you oh thank you hey why are you giving it to me so quickly ah That's how it could have ended. Or maybe it happened like this. So all that remains for us to do is to score the film. Katrina, you get to go first. What score would you give Clue out of 10? Well, um, taking into the fact that I've lost this time of my life and can never reclaim it, uh, and I basically think I'm infertile now from watching this film, I'd um, give it zero out of weird Tim Curry eyes out of 10. Mm. Um, Yeah, 
I, I, I hate you both for making me watch this. And oh, that's a bit harsh. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, no, it's 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 all fair criticism, I think. Robert, what score are you going to give this I film? I mean, like, that's that's pretty full. Like, okay, I I have trouble separating nostalgia with this one, and and I love this film so much. Growing up, I admit watching it now, it it is a bad film. Like, I can see that. It hasn't aged well. It's it's very grainy. The editing is is all over the place. The pacing is not great. Um, and when you know all of the funny lines coming up, they're just not funny anymore. So, I would I would probably give it. You know, being generous, I would have to give it one. Yeah. One one um, candlestick on the head out of ten. Mm. But zero, that was a bit harsh. Yeah. No, no, I think it's, I think you're being a bit kind there, Robert. Um, I think that this is one of the worst things that has ever happened. I think no. it's the worst thing that's happened in 2020, just in general. It, I mean, it's, it's fair. It's just, when I think of this film, I just think... A dumpster fire. Flames. Flames. Flames, flames on my face. Oh, flames on my face. <laughs> I'm giving it zero. <laughs> Out of ten, and I'm never doing this podcast again. Goodbye. (laughs) That's how it could have ended, but here's how it might have ended. So all that remains for us to do is to score the film. Katrina, you get to go first. What are you going to give it out of 10? Well, this has given me a new lease on life. I I now appreciate my mother more. Um, I, I feel like I can accomplish anything. I don't know how this film managed that. Um, but yeah, it is it has renewed my faith for a murder mystery. It has renewed my faith in humanity. It's it's frankly astonishing. So with that in mind, I give it a nine and a half um, cleavages that are far too big mm. out of ten. All right, Robert. What about you? Oh, um, I mean, look, I I have trouble separating nostalgia from from my viewing of this one. Like, as I said, I grew up watching it um, and it's it's an integral part of, of my movie viewing life and friendships that I've formed along the way. Um, it's got the greatest ensemble cast ever assembled. Better than Avengers? Oh, for sure. Oh, yeah. What? Yeah. Avengers doesn't have Madeline Kahn. That's true. <laughs> it's never going to be better. Rest like, in I'm peace. sorry, Robert Downey Jr. can't compete with Tim Curry. No, definitely not. No. So I would, I would have to um, give it... 10 kingdom of heaven is at hands out of 10. <laughs> yeah. Look, I think this is uh, absolutely sensational. I think uh, we should watch it again right now and just record the podcast again and review it again yes. because it's so enjoyable. I want to name my first kid clue. I want to name my second kid, Tim Curry and my third kid, <laughs> Madeline Khan. Like that's, that's just what's going to happen here. Yeah. I am um, going to declare it the winner of all films. Uh, it has, ever. Yeah, ever. Every other film we review on this podcast, it just pales into comparison. Mm. I think what it has shown us truly is that communism is a red, a red herring. herring. So mm. I'm going to give it 10 um, corpse makeout sessions out of 10. <laughs> uh, it is a shining beacon to human achievement. Goodbye, everybody. You have been listening to a Thought Jar Productions podcast. For more information, please visit thoughtjarproductions.com.